you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome into Good Morning Football, the home edition. We are excited to see you. I am Jane Slater, and I'm here with Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, and Super Bowl champion Mike Robb. And I have the unenviable task of trying to fill Kay Adams' shoes this week. So for everybody at home, there'll be a little bit of a replacement until we find that. All right, well, let's get right into the lead block. <laughs> lead block. Lead block. Lead block. All right, the big schedule release dropped last week, and there are ridiculous games all season long. But just check out week one, guys. Bills at Rams for the kickoff game. Russ's return to Seattle on Monday night. Some amazing division rivalries. And in that 4 o'clock window on Sunday, the cards open up at home against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Take a listen to what Cliff Kingsbury said about that tough week one matchup. Yeah, I was really thankful to the schedule makers for giving us a young quarterback that hadn't quite found his way in the league just yet, you know, still trying to figure it out. So it'll be fun. He sent me like the little eye emoji before it even came out. So he'll be revved up. We'll definitely have some Texas Tech fans tuning into that one, I'm sure. Mm. All right. Clearly, both of these teams are going to look very different once we get to week one. But I got to ask you, and, and really much of the league, but let's focus on week one. And I'll start with you, Kyle. What is the one offense that you cannot wait, that you are juiced up and ready for to see week one? What a great question, James. Sunday the 11th. Uh, well, you guys will all be at your glamorous positions all over the country. And Peter will be carrying his Fox pregame show, like always. I'll be on the couch and I'll be watching <laughs> Scotty Hansen. And when he goes for the first time to the Octobox. I'm looking down in Miami, Florida. Yes, Pats, Dolphins. This is the one I, I am most intrigued by. Specifically, Jane, to your question, the offense. They break the huddle for the first time. First and 10 from the 25. What in the tarnation is this offense going to be? Where's Tyreek lining up? 
Where's Waddle lining up? What is McDaniel doing on the sideline? How long before Tyreek goes in motion? Did they get him the ball in the first play, the third play? Does he not touch the ball in the first series? At what point does Mike McDaniel say enough of this crap about Tua and throw a deep pass? What is the first pass from Tua over five yards, over two yards, over 50 yards? Are there any? Furthermore, what is McDaniel like on the sideline? I'm not even joking. What is he wearing? Is he a visor guy? Is he a no hat guy? Is he a clipboard guy? This guy is so intriguing and his offense comes right with it. And also, they're playing against the Patriots. They're playing against the Belichick Patriots with no Josh McDaniels. There's all kinds of intrigue there. It'll probably be a thousand percent humidity and 95 degrees of all the games that Hansen could point to in the Octobox. I'm going to Florida. I don't know how you beat it, Mike Rob, unless you have like a Hall of Fame quarterback joining a new team or something. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to the Denver Broncos, right? I got to I gotta see what Russell Wilson looks like in a Denver Broncos uniform. I, I can't even believe that we're going to be talking about Russell Wilson in another uniform, especially he spent the last 10 years with my Seattle Seahawks. Look at that offense, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, big-time receivers on the outside, K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy. And I, I'm very concerned about how this offense looks. I'm excited to see what it's going to look like, but I'm concerned because when you look at what Matthew Hack it is done with that Green Bay Packers offense along with Matt LaFleur. They put Aaron Rodgers in a structure, right? And to me, that's what helped Aaron Rodgers out. When you look at when you look at Russell Wilson, what was the narrative in Seattle? The narrative was Pete Carroll and the offensive staff wasn't letting Russ cook enough, right? Wasn't letting him, uh, you know, run around and, and get the off-script plays like we're accustomed to seeing, right? Just think about this, guys. When Russell Wilson is behind yeah. the center, when he was with the Seattle Seahawks, almost 20% of his passes were 20-plus yards down the football field. Almost a quarter, almost a quarter of his passes were explosive. When you look at Denver Broncos' offense, they were 26 in the National Football League last year at producing explosive plays. So I assume the explosive plays are just going to come. But it is going to take some adjustment from the receivers on the outside, from the play caller, from the offensive line, because Russell Wilson isn't a guy that just plays in the structure. After he drops back, there's the initial play, and then there's the secondary play. It's the extended drops. That's what I'm concerned with. That's what I'm excited to see. Can this offense adjust to how Russell Wilson cooks, for lack of better words? No, it's good. And Nathaniel Hackett is coming off that Rodgers experience where these are different types of quarterbacks, but he might know how to handle the status of a superstar. A lot of time a first-year coach comes in and it's like, gosh, I'm dealing with a Hall of Famer. How do I manage that relationship? Hackett had a great one with Rodgers. And Mike, that's a great point. Um, how about a guy who's not going to the Hall of Fame yet and a quarterback we haven't seen much from yet who finally has one of these offensive masterminds in his ear? I'm curious to see the Giants. You know, it says most excited to see. I say it with like almost like I'm waiting. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Here's the Giants uh, offense. The players seem to be talented, but the last play that we can remember was really, uh, you know, from at quarterback and a third and 18 or quarterback sneak. So what do they do? They go to Buffalo and hire Brian Dable, who is maybe the most decorated offensive coordinator in the NFL. And I look at what they got with Kafka here, who was a former Eagle, uh, was with the Chiefs for years. The enemy never gets that head coaching job. Kafka never gets elevated, and he gets poached from Kansas City to be the offensive coordinator of the Giants. So now you've got Dable as the head coach from Buffalo. You've got Kafka, the offensive coordinator from Kansas City. You'd like to think with those two offenses, which have dominated the AFC over the past three, four years, and those masterminds together with Daniel Jones, at least the Giants offense will be watchable. I'll add this. The New York Rangers won the game in overtime last night, beat the Penguins. 
get to the next round of the playoffs. Guess who was in the crowd? Brian Dable. He has been in the crowd for three Rangers games in the playoffs. The Rangers are three and oh, he is the lucky charm in the Let's Big go, Apple. baby. Let's go, Dable. Bring that to New York and bring that to the Giants and take Kafka with you. All right. The Eagles offense is what I'm excited to see. And guys, the last time I filled in on this show, we talked about the potential, the possibility of A.J. Brown going and reuniting with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts actively recruiting him. How exciting is it going to be this number one ranked rushing offense? They had close to 160 yards on the ground. You had Jalen Hurts, who had what? 784 yards of that. And then you pair A.J. Brown with mm-hmm. Devontae Smith, who had 916. This could be a very explosive offense. Let's see what Nick Sirianni can do with this group, but that's one that I'm circling on the calendar. Miami was the one I wanted, Kyle. You took it off the board, so I went for second best. Eagles. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's okay, Jane. And you should talk more Eagles. I love hearing Eagles talk from you. Enough of that team with the star in its helmet that allegedly exists. <laughs> Good Eagles talk. If you're joining us this morning, you probably saw that Mr. Tatum threw his team on the on their backs and the Celtics get home court advantage and then beat the Bucks in the playoff, eliminating the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. Then there was this one last night. The Suns were down 40 points in the first half. They never dug out of the hole. Booker was invisible. Chris Paul, after 17 years, Fails to get a ring yet again. We're not being negative this morning in Phoenix. I know you're on the West Coast. You might not be seeing us uh, bash what happened last night, but it was just confounding. And yet that whole concept of not having the ring, it haunts players in every sport. And it also raises expectations. We saw Matthew Stafford slay his dragon last year. So I'm gonna go around the horn here and ask you guys, which player who currently doesn't have a ring in the NFL has the highest expectations this season. Let's start off with the ex-player, Michael Robinson. Who do you look at and say, hey, you don't have a ring. Go out and get it this season. I don't know if he's going to be the top player with the highest expectations, but he's definitely a guy that I'm looking at and looking at an opportunity to, to possibly get to a Super Bowl. And that's Matt Ryan. He just left Atlanta. Now he's with the Indianapolis Colts. He has a strong run game with Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line, the things that they're able to do in the run game. We look at the last time that a Matt Ryan Ryan had a run game that they could lean on and win games with. That was when they went to the Super Bowl and Kyle Shanahan decided to stop running the football in that Super Bowl, but that's a whole nother a whole nother conversation. He has a play caller in Frank Wright that understands how to have a dynamic offense, understand how to run the offense through the quarterback or through the running game. And then they have a defense led by Gus Bradley there, understands how to build a championship defense with a secondary that has Stephon Gilmore in it. I just look at this Indianapolis Colts team and say, damn, man, you look at their team, look at the schedule, look at what they're good at. With a Matthew Stafford on this team, they could just be a quarterback away. It's true, but I look at Chris Paul, Peter, and I remember, never mind him trying to get a ring, I remember the years when it was, when is he going to win a playoff series? When are we going to get to the second round? Like, when are we going to do anything here? And so I look at a guy who does not have a playoff win. You want to know the top three quarterbacks right now in terms of games started without a playoff win? Number one is Andy Dalton. Number three is Carson Wentz. And right there in the middle is the starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr. Derek Carr's got to get something done this year. I mean, this. never mind the Stafford thing. (laughs) <laughs> Never mind going and getting the whole ring. We got to win a wild card game, Derek Carr. And I like Carr, and I think he did awesome work last year, and especially with what the Raiders went through and all that nonsense and all that drama off the field, and they're still one throw away from winning a playoff game against Cincinnati. But how many times have you said one throw away about Derek Carr? One throw away, one game away, one week. That's enough. 
Now you get the best wide receiver in the world. You get the tailor-made coach, the offensive guy. You're glamorous. You're Las Vegas. This is the time. I don't care what division you're in. You should not be on a list, Derek Carr, with Andy Dalton and Carson Wentz as the guys with the most starts without a playoff win. Matthew Stafford was way on the top of that last last year. He went on a run. I need to see the same thing from Derek Carr. It's time. It's time. It's past time. I'm going to have to agree with Mike Robb here. And just to expand on that, we saw how well guys like Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady did when they went to new teams. They're sort of re-energized. Frank Reich seems re-energized. And look at the way he built that offense around Carson Wentz. And they were a top 10 offense with Carson Wentz. I think when you look at some of the weapons that they have around him, he's never had, you talked about the run game, Mike Robb, he's never had an O-line like he's about to have with the Colts. So when I look at a guy who's made six playoff appearances, won 120 games, and his 14th year, I think there's really high expectations for Matt Ryan. I think he has high expectations for himself, too, with kind of the way things went down in Atlanta with the whole Deshaun Watson talk. We all went quarterback here. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, and of course, Derek Carr. I'll throw in one that doesn't have the years and years of not getting there, but now has the expectation. Josh Allen, I have high expectations for, and he's never played in the Super Bowl yet. We no. are already crowning him as the preseason no. MVP and the number one guy, and I told you he's got the wrong, strongest arm. This is a Bills season, and Josh Allen, to me, the expectations are pretty darn high. Anything short of a Super Bowl might be a letdown. All right, when we get back out of Good Morning Football, you're going to get a little bit of talk on this guy because the rumors to Carolina have not subsided. Stick with us. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Everyone. 
everyone, and welcome to Good Morning Football, the home edition. I am James Slater, here with Peter Schrager, Kyle Grant, and Super Bowl champion Mike Robb. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning. What's up, Peter? Yes, we're doing the thumbs oh. up because we've got a little bit of the delay. <laughs> All right, well, Carolina... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. God. Carolina held their rookie minicamp for the weekend and got a good look at third-round pick Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. He joins a QB room that already has the third overall pick back in 2018, Sam Darnold. Now, head coach Matt Rule was asked about Corral and whether or not they're all set for quarterbacks for 2022. Here's what he said. Uh, you know, we don't draft anybody to come in with the hopes of them being a backup. We don't draft anybody to come in and just push people or give us depth. Uh, we draft everybody because we think we want to give them a chance to come in and earn a job on this team. So if we played today, Sam would be the starting quarterback. I think everything's up for competition, you know. I mean, Still looking at maybe bringing in another veteran quarterback? Or I think those are all possibilities. We want to have a really strong quarterback room, so I don't think we would say no to a veteran at this point. Matt Rule not closing the door on bringing a veteran in. Now, there's a couple of names that are floating out there, guys like Jimmy G, but Baker Mayfield, would you? For real? That's a real question. Sometimes I hate this question because it always seems like yep. we're bashing Baker Mayfield, right? But but I don't, I don't want to bash him. But at the end of the day, I just don't think Baker Mayfield, when he's at his best, is a top 10 quarterback. I just don't. And I think even last year, when you look at Baker Mayfield when he was with the Cleveland Browns, he was hurt. I wouldn't have played if I was Baker Mayfield. Like, if you're hurt, don't go out there if you're not going to be the best version of yourself. And then if you do bring a Baker Mayfield into a Carolina environment with a lot of young guys in that locker room, with a lot of impressionable guys in that locker room, you do have a Baker Mayfield with a chip on his shoulder. And if I'm uh, Matt Rule, who, if he doesn't start winning here pretty soon, his job is going to be on the line and he could possibly be out of coaching in the National Football League, you bring it up, Baker Mayfield, to me, that's a distraction. To me, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be a guy that is going to be trying to, st to be your starting quarterback, which he should be. But at the end of the day, I just don't think the best version of Baker Mayfield is better than Sam Donald, at, at the best version of Sam Donald, or possibly a Matt Corral, who is on a rookie deal, who you can build. Uh, organization around because of that rookie deal. I like Matt Corral not only just because of his quick release and, and things he, he did in college, but I like his athletic ability. The guy averaged almost four yards a carry when he was running the football, had over 1,300 yards rushing the football over his four years uh, in college. And I just think he has the skill set that this offense can build around, right? That RPO type of a style. That's the future of offense in the National Football League. So why not build it around this guy? Why not build it around this guy? And I think before the season's over, we're going to see Matt Corral with a chance leading the Carolina Panthers. I definitely don't think it'll be Baker Mayfield. Okay. I, I respect it. And, you know, I look at the, the situation in Carolina. I don't think anyone has the Carolina Panthers going to the Super Bowl right now. So you might as well, to me, have an open competition for that job between Darnold and Corral. Let him go. As for the Baker thing, can I see the salaries that Baker and Darnold are set to make this year? Neither one of them had their fifth-year option picked up. They're both going to make good money this season, too much money to probably have both of them up there on the board, but they're both going to make about $19 million this season. You can't have both of them. What if, though, what if the Cleveland Browns said, to avoid the situation of having him come back here, we will trade you Baker Mayfield for a pick, and we'll pick up the salary. We'll eat the salary. We'll eat the So you get him for free for that one year and if that's the case or even on a discount where like we'll eat we'll take 14 of the 18 million then hell yeah take baker mayfield and and let's see what sam donald's made of let's see him win that job let's see what crowd okay so it's a distraction so what 
The Panthers aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year anyway. You might as well throw him in there and see who let the best man win. And if Darnold raises his game and Darnold rises to the occasion and says, yeah, Baker's in there and might be a distraction, but I still won the job, well, then maybe Darnold is that guy who was taken third overall by the Jets and just had had a raw deal his whole career because of coaching or because of injuries or because of whatever else. I say bring Baker in if the money is right. If you can get Cleveland, and Cleveland right now is in a rock and a, and a, and a hard place is between that, have them eat the salary. You guys take it, we'll avoid that for you. You don't want Baker hanging around. You don't want to pay him to do nothing. We'll give you a fourth round pick for Baker Mayfield, but you eat 95% of that salary. If I'm Carolina, let's go. Bring Baker in, let the best man win. We're not winning the Super Bowl, or at least we don't expect to. Who knows, maybe we get surprised and we go and do something. But let's at least have a quarterback competition and bring the best people possible in the building. Peter, let me put you on the spot right now. Do you know who the Carolina Panthers open the season with? The Carolina Panthers open the season with the Falcons? The Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so that would be wow. really come some kind of <laughs> one party, buddy. That is Panthers Browns to start the season. Speaking of parties, it's a little sidebar here. We are a, an Emmy nominated program. We're very proud of that. Next Tuesday night, uh, maybe we'll shock the world and actually win one. But I have to tell you, I just got a text from a number I don't recognize. It's from Tony Kornheiser and said, Kyle, we thought we at PTI were going to win the Emmy. But then I saw the opening sequence to start the hour that you guys did. And it's over. It's yours. <laughs> we're never going to win it again. The way they just had a shot of bacon and a stock subway going by. On behalf of Will Bond and I, you guys are now taking the torch. We can't compete with that kind of content. So thank you for watching, Tony. In the meantime, um, the Baker Mayfield thing, I say this all the, the time. I like walking to a support group. I feel like I need to. It's done. It's done, Peter. But let's talk Baker. I'm Kyle, and I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I know that's very unpopular. I tried, as you guys were talking, to convince myself into saying, now hold on. Peter's making a point there, and Mike's out on it, and I... I don't think I can talk myself into Baker on the Panthers. I, I can't. And money aside, I don't care. Him and Darnold in one room, like, are they even that different? Is Baker even that much of an upgrade? And here's my yeah. biggest problem. Baker has a exactly. massive reputation problem right now. Never mind the media. Amongst the players. I am still waiting for anyone on the Browns, on the Panthers, on the Seahawks, on the bleeping Sooners to come out and tweet, hey, let's go get Baker. Baker's my guy. I want to go to battle with Baker. Please, Seattle Seahawks, bring in Baker. No one. And these guys are tweeting everything. This is my guy. Let's go get him. Let's recruit him. That's how the players talk now. They recruit their buddies. Crickets. And you know what? One thing to take it from me or any of us, what do you think a Hall of Fame Carolina Panthers wide receiver <laughs> would think about his valuable franchise, his alma mater in the NFL, bringing in Baker Mayfield? Take it away, 89. I hear the Carolina Panthers, I'm on set, are going to make a move for Baker Mayfield. My reaction, if they do, no! <laughs> That's a take. It's a strong one. Steve, you're amazing. I, I can't get myself to Panthers getting Baker, and I've tried. <laughs> I live for Steve Smith takes. He is literally one of my favorites here at the network. I am a huge sure. fan of Baker Mayfield, and I went to Texas, so give that Good. some context. And I remember leading up to the draft, people were trying to make these comparisons about Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. These are two completely different guys. And I go back to his 2020 season. It's a season I actually bought a Browns jersey. I grew up in the Dallas area. I can't be rocking a Dallas Cowboys one, but I was like, you know what? AFC dog pound. I'm all in. That was the year that he went 11 and 5, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's proven that if you put him in the right situation, he can lead your team to the playoffs. And if I'm Matt Rule, 18.8 is a high price tag, but you only have to do it for a year. 
and you are 10 and 23 in your time in the NFL. And when we look at the quarterback room, you've got Matt Corral and Sam Darnold. And while I respect the fact that they think that Sam Darnold's game has grown as a result of Ben McAdoo being there in Carolina, I think having a guy like Baker Mayfield's got a personality that's very similar to a guy like Matt Corral. And I'd love to see those two push each other in the quarterback room. So I'm all in on Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers. Sorry, Steve. I respect the hell out of you, but I would love to see it for Baker. I just don't get the hate. I've seen him enough in Dallas. We run in very similar social circles, and he's got a really great reputation around here as a good person. So I don't get the locker room hate or uh, sort of the narrative that's out there about it. But I do know that in the NFL, when there's a narrative about somebody, it's really hard to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are rolling in the same circles. Is he a good gratuity? Is he is he taking care of people? Because that's what I want to know. I could tell a lot by a guy in a quarterback. Right. Well, and if I hear he stiffs anyone on the bill, I'm not going to be happy. I'm just saying you learn a lot about a person when you see them away from the football field, the way they treat people, the way that they I'm handle serious. themselves. And I've literally never heard a bad thing about him. Dead serious about that. Okay. All right. Welcome back to Morning Football on a Monday. There's nothing like it. We always love to have fun here because football should be fun, but there is a bedrock of hard news that runs through this show. Nobody ever turns off the program while Will Selva is talking, and that's why we throw to Los Angeles. <laughs> What's up, Will? Good morning. How are you feeling? <laughs> What's going on there, KV? I appreciate that. Never thought of myself as a human rating spike, but hey, I appreciate yep. that, my friend. We'll have to start with your favorite subject, KB. That would be the Dallas Cowboys. Now, when the Cowboys schedule came out, I think there was some curiosity as to when Mike McCarthy would be making a return to Lambeau Field. And, of course, now we know it's going to be November 13th in Week 10, following the Cowboys' bye in Week 9. Oh, by the way, Dallas opens the season with two straight home games against the Bucks in Week 1, followed by the AFC Championship or Champion Bengals. Rather, here's McCarthy on his pending trip to Lambeau. I like the structure of it. You know, um, we know we're always going to have the national games, and our travel is going to be a challenge. I have no idea where we rank, but I'm sure we're in the you know, top ten or as far as the amount of travel and the, you know in the night games. And so the travel part of it's always a, a challenge. And but you know this is year three, so I feel like I got a handle on that. Uh, go, you know, going back to Green Bay, I mean that'll that'll be fun. And I was hoping for October or September, but you know November will be fine. Meanwhile, the Lions holding their rookie minicamp over the weekend as head coach Dan Campbell begins season two in the Motor City. You might remember last year he said they had, quote, no turds on the roster. Well, Campbell is also trying to avoid a certain type of player in minicamp this year. We are trying to avoid floaters. We don't want to draft floaters. And a floater is a guy who gets here and he's just happy to be here and he's just kind of, there he goes. He's in the open ocean. Just this is great. Like, we want guys that are highly competitive, and they love ball. And, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be perfect. They might not always say the right things, but they mean well, but, boy, they love ball, and they'll do anything for it and do anything for their teammates. So, And so in that regard, Eric, I'm elated with the guys that we have and the vision, uh, keeping the vision with where it's been and where it's going. Uh, yes, Coach Campbell has a way with words. Mike Robb, he wants no floaters in camp. Yeah. And with no floaters, that means he doesn't want anybody <laughs> who's going to be loafing from station to station. I'm sure that you've played or had some floaters on rosters that you've played on before, but uh, those are the energy suckers. Locker room I guess, confidential. That we've about. 
He said he didn't want any floaters. I just like the dance move Dan Campbell was doing. He yeah. didn't like any floaters. So, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> no floaters. Thank you, guys. So now it's time for a round of Big Deal or No Big Deal. We're going to start off with the Saints after adding some new additions. Recently retired quarterback Drew Brees tweeted, Man, signing Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew makes me want to come back and play again. Yeah, right. Okay. Great additions, leaders, and players. Then a few minutes later, he tweeted, Despite speculation from the media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. Okay, he sounds like a recruit trying to make a, I don't know, a a college uh, decision, right? I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for pickleball for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all the above. I'll let you know. Wow, Drew Brees has a lot going on, guys. So, Kyle, we're going to start this one off with you. Is it a big deal or no big deal that Drew Brees just casually mentioned a return to the National Football League? <laughs> that part of it's no big deal because I, I, I just don't think that Drew Brees is going to come out and play football this fall out of nowhere. We remember what it was like. It, it was time, guys. I think we, we all agreed on that. And not just us, everybody. It was time. It might have been a little bit of pastime. I don't think a, a year from now should Ben Roethlisberger say, I'm thinking about coming back. Everyone's going to start doing backflips. And the more, even less likely scenario is this one where, hey, maybe Carolina gives Drew Brees a call. That's not going to happen. Drew Brees is a walking deity in New Orleans. He is not going to walk into the Superdome circling the drain wearing number nine for the Carolina Panthers for one year next year. I just don't think that's going to happen. I do think it's interesting, though, what we started the show with earlier, talking about him coming at it from a media perspective. And, Mike, you had this interesting take that this is all about setting leverage and money. And it was so jarring to see these tweets from Drew Brees because if you follow him, his tweets are usually like, hey, guys, are you Team Cheez-It or Team Cheeto? Crunch Classic, hashtag ad. <laughs> or, you know, like, here's a picture of breakfast burritos I'm having with the boys. Like, it's all fine. It's all wholesome. But it's not exactly taking shots. And if he wants to leave NBC, I think there will be a lot of people thrilled to let him leave NBC. It's, it's fascinating to me what happened Drew Brees in the last year in the context of what's supposed to happen with Tom Brady in a couple years. Because you have this thing that happens where you have these unbelievably charismatic uh, leaders and these superstars and these household names and these these he-men out there in the field. And man, you put them at a studio desk with a suit on and they're talking about, I really think that the Seahawks need to take more deep shots in the second half. I'm sleeping. Uh-huh. Sleeping. <laughs> and I was sleeping watching Drew Brees and I think he was sleeping. And I think he wants to get out of there. And this, so I bring it back to Tom Brady, who's making half a billion bucks to do whatever. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Because, I, I, I mean, I can't think of an interesting thing that Tom Brady has ever said in his life. And yet you're going to be in there and he's going to be unbelievably compelling. Drew Brees wasn't. And a lot of other people weren't. So pay attention. Watch that. I don't think he's going to be playing football anymore. But I'd like him to get a fresh start maybe somewhere else. Try something new in broadcasting. Well, and Kyle, I think there's so few guys that transition from the football field to the studio that do it as seamlessly as guys like Mike Robb. And I mean this. And Steve Smith. It's a lot harder than it looks. I think Jason Witten found out the hard way too, right? Like he and Drew Brees both are so used to putting in the work and it paying off for them. And I think it was a real struggle for them not to see it work in the studio the way that they had wanted it to. But I would tell Drew Brees to look at Jason Witten as a cautionary tale. It didn't really work when he returned back to Dallas and then went and played for Las Vegas. I don't see Drew returning to the football field, although I would say when I watched that final game, only 5,000 people in the Superdome during COVID, his last game, that was really hard to watch. And in my mind, I kept thinking he was coming back for one more year, Mm. and he didn't. And then I think... 
Tom Brady was rumored to come to New Orleans. Not rumored. I heard it was for sure happening. Until, the, until basically Drew found out about that. That's when he decided to put off NBC for a year and then he went into the booth. But I just think how different things would have been in New Orleans if Tom Brady had gone there. So there's all these moving pieces, these what ifs. I hated seeing Drew Brees' career end the way that it did. I thought he should have done it on a bigger stage. And I think he definitely is chomping at the bit to come back with some of the pieces that New Orleans has. But I'm sort of with you guys. And again, I'm using the Jason Witten comparison. It didn't work in the booth and it didn't work when he did the return to the football field. But I'd love to see him in a role like John Lynch. I think he'd be a great GM personally. Sure. Okay. Well, that's 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 a good line of work, and that's that's there's good money there, and maybe Mickey Loomis can bring him in, and they can work together, and the Saints can do it. But to Kyle's point, I think a lot of times these media executives get tantalized by the player on the field and the sound bites, and maybe some of the uh, you know the rah rah stuff. When calling a game, you got to be critical sometimes, or when you're in the booth, or you're in a studio show, and it's hey, 90 seconds, give us your take on the first half, and your insight is man, Brady's really slinging it out there. That's not going to do it. And it sounds very critical, but like we do this for a living and there's a lot of work that goes into it. And you put yourself out there. Kyle just went on TV and said he doesn't think Brady's going to be a great broadcaster. Guess what? That's putting his own name on it. That's something you have to say. And that's what makes Kyle... Kyle and, and Mike Rob, you said Kyler Murray doesn't have one of the best arms in football. Come on, get out of here. There's a risk in that. There's a risk in that. You might have to go see Kyler Murray and he might be offended. And they know there's courage and you're saying something. Breeze didn't say anything. He everyone was great. And like that's the line here. So do I think he's gonna come back? No, but I also think it's a cautionary tale for sports broadcasting that you better put your name on it. And if you don't, the viewers at some point are going to be like, well, what are you really even saying? I love Drew Brees. Think he's great. I don't necessarily think he was the most critical broadcaster. And I think for some people at home, they're looking for Tony Romo to criticize the Cowboys. They're looking for Troy Aikman to criticize the Cowboys. And those guys do it. And they get paid a lot of money to do so. They're looking for realness. Our, our fans are smarter than they've ever been. Our fans are more in tuned to the game more than they've ever been in any time that football's been around. So, yeah, you kind of got to, I call it, you got to have the juice. You got to actually have something to say. You just can't be a guy who was on the field and did his thing and, and, and can't actually do it on camera or can't actually bring anything to a broadcast. So, again, I think this goes back to Drew Brees understanding how to create leverage. He made an unbelievable amount of money when he played in the National Football League. It was never an issue whether Drew Brees was going to get his money. He got his money on the football field. Again, these quarterbacks love to compete. Seeing what Tom Brady got from Fox, I just think this is another opportunity for Drew Brees to create that leverage. If he's a current player, that's more leverage that he can create with these news um, executives. And let me just say this. Anytime there's something in the news cycle where someone's going to try the NFL, whether it's Usain Bolt, could he join the NFL, or some basketball player, or some wrestler, <laughs> the NFL players lose their minds. They, it, to a man, it is all, you can't just step in here and do this. This is, a, this is a man's game. You can't step I've been devoting my whole life to this. And yet, when one of the NFL players says, well, I can just jump right into media and I'll be incredible. No, you can't. This is, this is the thing that we do, too. And now there's some of you, maybe you jump in here and you're great, and this is not as hard as football, but don't think there aren't people in the media who aren't seeing Tom Brady get how many millions of bucks for something he's never done, nor shown indications that he can do, and aren't a little bit taken aback by it, just like Tom Brady would be if some guy in the media said, oh, I think I can play quarterback. Just, just a little bit of what's going on here. Guess what's coming up next in Good Morning Football? Russell Wilson. Are they going to win the West right after this? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, football! Take a look at what Russell Wilson posted over the weekend. Just two legends breaking down practice film casually. You've got Peyton Manning level expectations for this new Broncos team with Russ at the helm. Just ask the schedule makers. Check this out. The Broncos have five games in prime time. That's tied for most in the NFL. And in week one, Russ goes back to Seattle. A ridiculous marquee matchup to start the season. And if that's not enough, Denver has two more games, Christmas and week eight in Wembley, where they are the only game playing in that time slot. So, Peter, what do you make of not only that showcase schedule for Denver, but the hype for the 2022 Broncos? I've been leading this bandwagon of sorts and there's been a lot of people kind of giving me the, the wet blanket and sobering me up and saying, slow down now, slow down now. But I think Denver's going to be a Super Bowl contender. Like I really do. And I have a, a proof of entry for that. And it's that last year, the Rams needed that extra guy and it was Matthew Stafford and then got him over. Two years ago, the Buccaneers had a great young roster. They add Tom Brady and they get there. Like, Denver's got an amazing roster. The only thing that was missing was the quarterback. They've added depth at every position. They've added all pros like Justin Simmons. They have talent all over the field. And I think some of that talent, Patrick Sertan, uh, to name one, I, I, I think is Javante Williams is rising and rising and rising. And now you're plucking one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. I'll put him in there. I think he's a top 20 quarterback in NFL history and you're giving him motivation, and you're telling him that he's going to join one of the best young rosters with one of the best fan bases and one of the best environments in that mile-high home field. Gosh, the NFL gave the, the, the Broncos seven different 
window games where it's just them in the window and they gave them five different primetime games. It's not by accident, it's the Russell Wilson factor. I think they've been a quarterback away and I thought the Rams were a quarterback away. Last year, uh, before the season started, I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl on the fact that They've got one of the best rosters in football. They're just missing a quarterback, and Matthew Stafford is a giant upgrade. If you're not telling me Russell Wilson is not a giant upgrade from Drew Locke, you haven't been watching football the last few years. I think it's worthy, and I think that the Broncos are going to be a team to be reckoned with this year. They might tear up the NFL and be like 13-4. and We'll be like, what? No, don't be surprised. Russell Wilson just joined one of the best rosters in all of football. They might, Peter. You're absolutely right. And my favorite Good Morning Football segment of the entire year, every year, is in September before kickoff when we as a show pick our division winners and our Super Bowl champion. This year, when we have to pick the division winner of the AFC West, it's going to be riveting. Because the winner is one thing, guys, but this is a fact. One of these four teams is going to finish in last place. One of these four teams likely is going to finish 7-10. and 10. Not as a prediction right now in May, but just as an exercise. If you were compelled to pick one team out of these four right now to finish in fourth out of the West, who are you picking? I'll just walk you through this. I'm going to put the Chiefs out of that conversation out of respect. I'm also going to put the Raiders out, who were in the playoffs last year with an interim coach and crazy stuff off the field and got way better on the field. I think right now, optics-wise, it's between the Chargers and the Broncos. And I think the gravity is leading towards the Broncos. A new head coach that we've never seen before. A new a new quarterback, while great, we don't know how it's going to fit. I'm not as seduced by all their weapons as everybody else is. One of them was just arrested. They're all great on paper. One of them will finish in last place. So all this hype about we're going to do this and do that. You know, Peter, as much as I respect what Brady did going to Tampa and what Stafford did going to the Rams, they did not land in a division with Mahomes and Herbert and what the Raiders have going. The context is much, much different when you're slapping around the Panthers in the NFC South or whoever the hell in the West uh, in a year that West wasn't as good as it always is. So I think the Broncos really have their work cut out for us. I don't think you just bring in Russell and say, we're back. That division is a mother and they're going to have to win a lot of games in it and the schedule is (laughs) tough. Denver right now in May, a lot of work to do. Yeah, they do have a lot of work to do, but I'm going to say... The hype is real. You can't inject a guy or a talent like Russell Wilson into your offense and not think that there won't be a little bit of hype. I mean, the guy's the best deep ball passer of the football in our game right now. So, And to me, that there's no question in that. But to Peter's point, you talk about those starting quarterbacks, all the different starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning. I think that's a little bit more indicative of how bad John Elway is at picking uh, quarterbacks and in, in, in this about organization it. developing young quarterbacks. To me, Russell coming to this offense it is a big move. But I do think this offense and this team is going to have to adjust playing with Russell. Meaning, Russell Wilson, again, I talked about it early in the show, 20% of his passes with the Seattle Seahawks, or almost 20% of his passes, were explosive in nature. Meaning, they went over 20 yards, 20 air yards down the football field. You look at the Denver Broncos offense, they finished 26 in explosive passes and explosive plays uh, last year. So they definitely need Russell Wilson and that explosion uh, in this offense because it gives it more room for that for that running game. But the explosion comes from, and guys, I want, I want to put up the final six games uh, for, for Russell Wilson okay. and the Denver Broncos this year. Because right. I think that's when this, that, that's when this season's going to be defined. You look at these last six games. The Baltimore Ravens at Baltimore. That's not going to be an easy game. This defense is revamped. Lamar Jackson's, you know, and, you know, he's trying to get a new contract. He's trying to win a Super Bowl, all those things. You have Kansas City twice. You got Kyler Murray, who some people think, I don't think, but some people think he has one of the top arm talents in the NFL. That's a whole other conversation, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. You got the Rams there. 
Aaron Donald knows how to play against Russell Wilson. And then you got the Chargers, who has one of the, you know, one of the top young quarterbacks in Justin Herbert coming up. This is a brutal division for the Denver Broncos. This is a brutal division for Russell Wilson. But again, if they can get him in the structure, if Nathaniel Hackett can help Russell play within the structure, I thought he did a great job with Aaron Rodgers, helping Aaron Rodgers play within the structure. That way, Russell Wilson in critical moments can use that Russell Wilson magic, that Russell Wilson evading pressure, mm-hmm. that Russell Wilson extended drops. Then he can use that in those special moments. But if Russell can't play in the structure, if Jerry Judy and, and all those wide receivers on the outside can't get used to Russell when he sees you open after a five-step drop, the ball probably ain't going to come out. The ball's going to come out on the extended drop when Russell starts to run around. If guys can get used to that, I think this team would be very dangerous. But it does take some getting used to hell. We had to practice these periods with Russell before we became an explosive offense early mm-hmm. in his career. Mike Rob, I look at it, it is a brutal division, but you've got a dangerous Russ. Remember, it was two seasons ago he threw for 40 touchdowns. He's been nine winning seasons, eight playoff appearances, and of course the hype is real. Think of the quarterbacks they've had come through there. When I was there, it was Jake Plummer, Jay Cutler, Tim Tebow. So, of course that fan base is excited. They're hyped. And I love that we had that video of Manning and Russell Wilson going over game tape because I think that their approach to the game, their philosophy is very similar. And I think they're the type of guys that energize those around them. And I think him coming to a new team, feeling valued, feeling like they literally traded their kitchen sink to get him there, I think does a lot for a guy like Russell Wilson. I think it had just gotten stagnant for him in Seattle for that matter. But I think also when you look at this defense, are they going to be as good as that defense that he had in Seattle when they won the Super Bowl? It absolutely has the potential to be. I think my only big question marks, I think it can be a little challenging for first-year head coaches. So that's my big TBD. But I don't have any questions about Russell Wilson and how dangerous he can be in Denver. If you watch the show enough, you know that typically we like to end the program in the final segment with something fun or irreverent, and we cannot do that today, and we would not do that, because our minds, all four of us, and all of us who work on this show, are on the people of Buffalo, New York, and all of Western New York, specifically in regards to the 10 lives that were lost in a pathetic and cowardly act of violence in that area that you've all seen and read about. Through our lens of football right now, there is so much positivity and so much excitement about the Buffalo Bills and the buzz that's going on in that area. And then you wake up this morning to read the phrase racially motivated violent extremism, which is about the worst phrase I have ever heard in my life. As you know, this show, there are 32 fan bases. And in our love of football, we think of them all as family members. And there is none that we love more than all of the people who are Bills fans in all of Western New York. So I want you guys to know that all of us, we are thinking about you. We are talking about you during commercial breaks. And we are so, so sorry that this happened. We can only offer our woefully insufficient reprieve in the form of Bill's talk, in the form of Peter saying Josh Allen is the strongest arm in all of the league and hopefully can provide even a tiny little amount of distraction from what you are going through. We just feel so, so sorry and we are thinking about you as we always are and we hope you can get through this. Mike? Well said, Kyle. You know, cannot express my feelings any stronger than, than what you just said. It's a sad day not just for the football world, but for, for all Americans. I was taken back by this, guys, and I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I was taken back by this, especially since I've been inundated with a lot of tweets and a lot of people from Buffalo just, you know, just expressing their sorrow for what went down. I will say this, especially for communities that look like myself, black communities, I know we're pissed off right now, upset, 
Uh, I would implore that you that uh, we don't act out of emotion. Um, I would implore that we process information, process what, what's happened, get along, you know, get around community members and just have a conversation. Because at the end of the day, guys, we are a lot more alike than we are different. I cannot express that anymore. But one thing I can't leave this screen without saying to see that an armed person went into a community and was able to to take lives like that. And um, the police unarmed him and got him locked up and, and got him in custody without losing another life. I thought it was big by the police, but it also showed that this can happen. Our lawmakers, our, you know, our law enforcement officials, they understand how to do this. And so as we process this, just understand more love can overcome. Uh, I know hate is polarizing, but just just hang on to that love, guys, and we'll be better for it. I know there's there's so many um, folks mourning this morning, so many names that were lost. I would just like to say that if you're trying to put a face to this, um, one of the victims was a woman named Pearly Young, who is 77 years old. She was killed in a in a shooting yesterday in the grocery store, and she's a mother, a grandma, a missionary, and she in Central Park for 25 years had a food pantry and would just spend her Saturdays feeding those who were not privileged. 77 years old was shot down. Think about some of the things that are happening in the world today and try to be a better, kinder person if you can. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.